we're going to head for uh, the direction of our theme here for this day anyway. And uh, part of our curriculum was dealing with practical living or uh, practical Christian living. So what's it look like, practically speaking, to live this out? You know, here a few weeks ago we talked about uh, people who uh, walk with the Lord. You know, how's your walk with the Lord? And that sounds really odd. So we, we tried to put some um, kind of flesh to that structure. Like, what's it look like, practically speaking, to do that? You know what I mean? It's one thing to have the Christian language down, but what's it mean to live like a Christian? And so today we're going to work a little further in that direction in a thought we're going to call staying in bounds. Staying in bounds. And Exodus 18 is where we're going to be if you'd like to turn there. Uh, we'll pick it up there here momentarily. Uh, so it's on the wall if you don't have a Bible. If you do have a Bible, it's the second book of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus. Uh, look for 18 there and we'll read about half of that chapter. Uh, but as always, we like to talk, right? So the title of this thought, again, is Staying in Bounds. And I would say that we all would probably agree that boundaries are a part of life. Would you say that? When you think of a boundary, what comes to mind? What's a boundary in your life? Oh, speed limit. Yeah, there's a boundary there. You have trouble with that? Okay. <laughs> I'm sure nobody in this room can identify. <laughs> Somebody else? A boundary. When you think of a boundary, what's a boundary you've got? Maybe you struggle with or a boundary you try to live within? I'll give you a few in just a minute here, but have you got one? Okay, good. A property line. Okay, so there's limits on what you can do, and that could go a lot of directions, right? So physically, how much I could do or how much I can spend, you've got to have a limit there, right? You've got to have a budget for your life or you get in a lot of trouble. Right, so yeah, property lines, I think that's a good one. And all these are property lines, and I also thought then of basketball lines or a sport line. We tend to uh, have boundaries there. How many of you have a fence at your house? Okay, so that's kind of a, a border, right, to protect, uh, maybe to keep out and to keep in, right? I said the word border, and it kind of made me think of something. What are we going to do at the border? Build a wall, yeah, supposedly, whatever that means, all right, good rhetoric, <laughs> wins your campaigns, obviously, um, but that's a boundary, all right, and the purpose of that is trying to create a line there. So you've got property lines and things like a, a sporting event line, some kind of basketball line. Uh, what about within relationships? Are there boundaries there? And I don't think you know, anyone stands up here before their future spouse. You know, it wouldn't be me and three other ladies, right? And I do, and I do, and I do. All right? If Miss Penn was here, what would she say in that context? Yeah, she would say, I don't, right? And she would have took her little pretty dress and walked on out and she wouldn't have said, I do. She wouldn't commit to that, right? There's a boundary. One man, one woman. Not one man, three women. It doesn't work that way. All right? Not one man and one man or one woman and one woman. So God's created His boundaries for what marriage looks like and it's our job to try to stay in bounds. All right? To stay within our lane, to travel uh, according to God's plan. So we've got property lines. We've got basketball lines. We've got relationships. I also thought about like ships at sea. You know, we tend to get in trouble when a ship crosses into, 
you know, unfriendly territory. It's when people come in and start shooting at us. And what, why are they shooting at us? Well, we crossed over the line, right? We were on their side, so to speak. And so there was some, uh, some tension there. You see this a lot of time too with countries, right? They may be peaceful inwardly, but on the line, if they don't like each other, right, that border is important. And if somebody crosses that border, you're going to pay for it. And they work hard to protect that border. They work hard to keep people out that they don't want as a part of their country. Uh, so those are some ways. Fences, other things, all sorts of things that we use to, um, that have boundaries. And even following Jesus, we're going to see today, has boundaries. Okay? There are people who would like to say that if you love Christ, then you should have no boundaries. Like, you should just be love. And I would agree with that, but we have to define what love looks like. Right? So love doesn't mean everything goes. Um, if you love your child, do you let them play in the street? No, right? You create a boundary. You can play here, not there. You know, do you love your child? Do you just feed them candy and nothing else? Don't brush your teeth. Sleep when you want. I don't care if you go to school or not. No, we set boundaries, right? Like, this is what you're going to eat, and you may have a little of this, but you're going to have a whole lot of this if you're going to eat anything. This is your bedtime. This is what you're going to do with your room. This is what we expect in our house. This is when you're going to be home. These are the grades that we expect you to, to get. All right? This is how we expect you to contribute to the home. Those are all boundaries. So a life without bounds, um, though some may think that sounds great, would really be extreme chaos. So we're looking at today here trying to stay in bounds. Anybody have trouble staying in bounds? We probably have some trouble there, right? I mean, we heard about driving already, the speed limit, and that. Yeah, that's one for me too. I, I tend to look down and it's never where it should be. Um, so I'm always hitting the brakes or trying to slow down. Oh, what am I? I'm just singing or I'm thinking or I'm praying and not paying attention and I'm just traveling like crazy. Uh, so yeah, that's one of those I get out of bounds on. You know, baseball games. You guys like baseball, right? So here's a little trivia for you. This will impress all your friends when you go from here today. How many baseballs do you think they use in a typical Major League Baseball game? What would be your guess? Okay, that was my guess. Actually, 37. It's quite a bit more than that. How many? Oh, really? So some have been that high, yeah. So on average, they say it's about 65 per night or per game. That's a lot of balls, isn't it? Now, not every one of those goes foul, but most of those end up out of bounds. Right? Baseball players tend to hit more out of bounds than they do in bounds. Right? You may have five hits in a game, but you got 40 hits into the stands, right, that weren't home runs. So staying in bounds sometimes in a game is hard. I know uh, with girls and boys playing basketball, you know, and you watch that on TV, or when you play the game, sometimes you just find yourself out of bounds. The ball's continually going out of bounds. You're stepping on the out-of-bounds line. It's just a struggle sometimes to stay in the game within the boundaries. You know, we've talked about this before. How many times have you been driving down the road and you or somebody beside you hit those little rumble strips? About gives you a heart attack, right? You know, and you got to pull back over real quick. And so that's just a little reminder letting you know, hey, you're out of bounds. You're struggling to stay in your lane. You need to get back in your lane, okay? So there's all sorts of ways we could point out today that we have struggle staying in bounds, but we know what boundaries are, and we know that we have issues staying within them. God knew that about us, uh, knew that about us as well. Um, but we're going to look today at trying to be people who live within the bounds that God has set before us. And really the focus of this thought, it, this could go multiple directions, okay? Many different directions we could run. But we're going to run today 
to look at trying to live in our sweet spot. Right? Trying to live our life in the lane that God has directed us in. So have you ever been out to, maybe you've been through Atlanta, Georgia, or you've been out to like Los Angeles, California, or Chicago, Illinois. Some of these places where they're like, you know, 15, 16 lanes wide. I mean, just all you can see is concrete or asphalt. Okay? That's kind of what it looks like as Christians pursuing the Lord. Right? There's one main road and it's all going the same direction or to the same end, but there's lots of different lanes. And so my lane that I'm traveling in may look different than the lane that you're traveling in, but we're traveling the same direction. Okay, so what God is asking of you is going to look different than what God is asking of me. However, it's working towards the same goal. And so what we're really looking at here is what is He asking of us? What's the sweet spot of my life? And trying to, to live there. So we've all got different abilities. We've got different talents. We've got different spiritual gifts. We've got different life experiences. We've got different resources of, of time or of money so we can invest differently. Listen, truth be told, I'm probably never going to talk to your neighbor. Right? I mean, I'm, the, the way I might talk to your neighbor is if they end up coming here. But God has planted you where you are and He's planted me where I am to talk to my neighbor. You're probably not going to talk to my neighbors unless they come here. Okay? So that's your lane and that's the lane you need to travel in. That's the people in part that you need to work and love and serve and pray for. Uh, so working towards the same goal there, just traveling in a little different lane. How many of you have ever hit a baseball before? Or softball? Anybody? Okay. You know when you hit a ball and you've hit it bad and it just like vibrates your whole arms, just like hurts almost that you hit the ball. Right? Sometimes you swing and you hit it and you don't even know you hit it. Right? I mean, you just hit it in that sweet spot and that ball just, just takes off. Or a golfer talks about the same thing. Sometimes you hit a golf ball and in the wrong spot of the club, man, it can really jar your hand. It can chatter your teeth. But when you hit it right, it's like I didn't even feel that ball on the end of that club. It just shot off there and it felt really good. That's the sweet spot. Okay, So what's the sweet spot for you? What's the sweet spot for me as we seek to follow the Lord? It's different. Right? Generally speaking, we live for the Lord's glory. Generally speaking, we're connecting, growing, serving as disciples, trying to make disciples. But that looks different for you and how you live it out. I'm not going to work your job. You're not going to work mine. Right? It's not your job to train and nurture and lead my family, and it's not my job to do that to yours. Those are specific. Those are details that relate to your life. We can encourage one another, support one another, traveling to the same end, but we've got different lanes that we're running in. And so I'm trying to stay in the bounds of my lane. You know, sometimes we're willing. And I think there's part of that that's good. I'm... Pastor, I'm willing to help however you want me to. Okay, that's great. What if we plug you in somewhere where you don't really have a gift for that? You don't have a love for that. You're not passionate about that. But I'm willing, so I do it. Right? Is that really the way you want to spend your life? You know, does God give you a spiritual gift to set it aside to do something that you're willing to do? No, God equips us with what He wants us to do to accomplish through that gift right? whatever it is that kind of draws us out, that fuels us. So a good test of one of the spiritual gifts is when I'm involved in this, does it, even though it's commitment and it takes a lot of preparation, takes a lot from me, does doing this really fuel me? Does it strengthen me? Right? Is this what God is asking of me? Or is it just I'm willing to do it and so I can't stand children, you might say, but okay, I'll work in the nursery. And you're sitting there the whole time, oh, I just you stink or you know, I don't want to change that. or I, You're always crying. I can't deal with this kind of stuff. And, but I'm willing 
Is that who we want in the nursery? No, all right? You want somebody there who loves children, right? Who feels like they can rock a child and love a child and speak truth, Scripture into that child's ear, who can play with that child, who has no issues with changing and feeding and rocking and putting to sleep. Somebody that just feels like that's their ministry. Not just somebody who says, hey, I'm willing, just plug me in somewhere. So I understand sometimes that happens, but I would much rather be living where God wants me to be, doing what He's asking me to do, than just being willing to do something and getting stuck using really none of the gifts that God has blessed me or you with. Okay, So Exodus 18 is where we're going to go. And we're going to find Moses here. And this is what's going on. All right. So if we backtrack this a little bit, you'll remember the Israelites were enslaved for a long time. God chose Moses to be their deliverer. God delivered them through Moses and through all those plagues. They've already been through the Red Sea. They've come out on the other side. Uh, chapter uh, 14 and 15 there, you'll find them worshiping God, like praising Him extravagantly. Music, dance, just a whole chapter there dedicated to worship. And they start traveling their way to the promised land and they get hungry. And what happens? What happens when you and I get hungry? When are we going to eat? What are we having for supper? I'm hungry. There's nothing to eat here. And so they start moaning and bellyaching, right? We've got nothing to eat, and we had stuff to eat back there, and why'd you lead us out? And they, I'm thirsty. There's nothing to drink. And so God provides all this stuff miraculously. Well, then you're going to have the father-in-law of Moses come pay a visit. Okay, so that's what's happened up to this point. We've got Mr. Jethro coming to spend a little time here with Moses. And uh, this is where we're going to pick up their story. So Jethro has come in. Moses has told him the whole thing about the deliverance. And Jethro is just awestruck. So the Bible says that he worships the Lord. He offers a sacrifice. And they sit there and they celebrate and praise God together for His amazing deliverance. They sleep and they wake up the next morning. Moses goes to work. Jethro is going to make some observations about what's going on with Moses and his life. Exodus 18 here, verses 13 through 27. All right, if you'd like to track with us uh, there in your Bible or on the wall. All right, it says, The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, What is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. And whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. What do you hear a lot of there? Me and I, right? I and I and me and myself, okay? So whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me, I decide. It's, it's what I do. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you're doing is not what? It's not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. And so listen now to me and I'll give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to Him. Okay? Keep doing that. Teach them His decrees and instructions. Show them the way they're to live and how they are to behave. Keep doing that. But select capable men from all the people. Men who fear God. Trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain. And then appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. 
And if you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. And so Moses listened to his father-in-law and he did everything that he said. He chose capable men from all Israel. He made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. And then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way, and Jethro returned to his own country. Okay, so here we're looking at Moses trying to track in his sweet spot what God has asked of him. Okay, and what does it look like for you and I today to stay within the boundaries that God has given to us? All right, so we're going to call this or kind of track with this through setting boundaries. Right, three things we'll highlight out of this text as it relates to you and I trying to live in that sweet spot. What is it that God is asking us to do? Staying in our lane. All right. Number one is this, setting boundaries, it's about focusing initially on what God is asking of us. All right, so we're looking for clarity as to what God is asking of us specifically, not just generally speaking. All right, what's my specific role? How do I live out specifically in my life? What are the details there that I can pursue with a next step? So we find Moses today in our text, we find him struggling a little bit, right? a lot of stuff going on here. And it seems like when we read that, he's the only one that felt like he was qualified to do that job. Right? And so I do them. People bring it to me and I do this. And then I go between them and God. And I teach them and I instruct them and it's, they come to me. And so this is kind of like he's being run by or governed by these people. And so the only one who can make judgments, Moses thought, was himself. Uh, and this was morning till evening. What a fun job, right? Sit there and just decide disputes all day. And go to sleep and do it again. And so Jethro observes this and he has a question for Moses. Alright, why are you doing this? this? Why are you doing this all day long? And Moses answers him and he says, because the people come to me to seek God's will. And whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me and I decide between the parties and I inform them of God's decrees and of God's instructions. So, was Moses working hard? So Moses is working hard. So this isn't about being lazy. He's morning till evening. He's busting it. He's working it hard. Was what, he doing, was what he was doing necessary? Yeah, so he was a judge and he was to sit there and help settle disputes. He was to teach people, this is what God says. This is how you behave. He was to instruct them in how they were to live. So it's not that he was being lazy and he was being confronted. It's not that he was just out doing something that didn't matter. Right? There was more that God had for Moses. Right? Moses was to do what for the people to the promised land? He was to lead them. That was his role. Okay? Don't sit out here and just settle disputes. That's part of it. But we're also tracking to the promised land. You're the deliverer and you're the one who is supposed to lead them that direction. And yet Moses is just preoccupied with all the disputes of the people. And so Jethro is going to give him some advice. And what he's in essence saying is, let's get more focused here. Not that what you're doing is bad, but how can we do this better? And so here's his response. Back in verse 19 to 22. Listen now to me and I'll give you some advice, Moses. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative. He didn't say stop doing that. He didn't say what you're doing is wrong. Do that before God and bring their disputes to Him. Teach them His decrees and instructions just like you are. And show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But here's where it shifts. But, select capable men from all the people. Men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials 
over the thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, and have them serve as judges for the people at all times. All right? How, how often were people coming to Moses? All the time, right? Morning and evening. This was an all-day thing. Have these guys serve all day. Let this be their job. Let them bring every difficult case to you, but the little ones, simple ones, they can decide themselves. That'll make your load lighter because they're going to be people who share it with you. So, were there other people who could have been doing what Moses was doing? Yes. Okay? Moses just either didn't have time to see it or Moses may have felt like everybody needs me. Right? And one thing this tells us is this. If we're willing to let people plan our, our calendar, our day, they'll do it. Right? If you tell people, I'll do whatever you want me to do, it's not long before you're living your life doing what other people want you to do. And maybe not even doing bad things, but there's something better for you. There's something more specific maybe that God's asking you or asking me to do. And if I'm structured my life around what people are asking, I'm going to struggle in my life to do what it is that God is asking me to do. And so other people sometimes can manipulate a yes out of us. Have you ever been there? Right? It's okay sometimes to say no. Right? No is a boundary. But we teach that in dating relationships, right? Between a guy and a girl. And if somebody's pursuing an end that's not good, somebody's got to speak up and say what? No. We're not going to do that. We're not going there. Okay? Because that's a boundary. And so no is not necessarily a bad thing. And it's the same way as we follow the Lord. I know it can sound insensitive. But there's a point where you've got to draw a line and say, I just can't do that. Right? There's some things I can do, but there's some things I cannot do. And there's always a way to do it tactfully, but still yet. To say, I'm just going to give my life and serve everybody. Whatever you ask from me, I'll give. Is opening yourself to be driven by people rather than by your God. And whatever they're asking of you, you'll do. You'll be a people pleaser rather than a God pleaser. You'll get burned out. You'll get stressed. Uh, you'll get grouchy, short, you'll lose heart, you just get things done rather than trying to really love on the people or the opportunity that God's put around us. So I understand it can make us feel important. Right? When somebody says, I need you, that makes you feel like, man, I could, I matter in that person's life. Isn't that true? Right? Somebody comes to you and says, can you do this for me? And you say, wow, they, they need me to do something. I understand how that can make you or make me feel like we're, we're needed or that something there is worth our while. But if God's not in that, if there's not a direction of the Lord there, if it's just a random thing that's going to draw you away from what God's asking, then we need to learn here some advice from Jethro. Pay attention. There's a better way to go about living. All right? There's other people who can do those things as well. And so learn to say a godly no. Never say no to God, but know this. When you say yes to God, I'm your disciple, right? Deny myself, take up my cross and follow. That means you're going to say no to other people. When I say yes to God, it means I'm going to say no to some opportunities that sound good. So we've got to be willing to say the no. All right? And so he was setting some boundaries here by getting more focused on what God was asking of him rather than what the people were asking of him. So if you want to stay in the boundary, if you want to stay in your lane, then what's God asking of you? How has he gifted you? It's not your job to use my gift. It's not my job to use yours. So what is it? Use it. All right? Partner with the Lord in what it is that He's asking you to do rather than feeling obligated to do something because somebody's asking you to do it. All right, let's go to here this morning. Setting boundaries also helps us understand the value of 
somebody observing our life. And we've talked about this in different ways here this year. Uh, but here we've got Moses under a lot of pressure and we've got a father-in-law looking in at his life and he's observing what's going on. And what he's going to observe is that what you're doing, Moses, is, is not good. Like, you cannot sustain this way of living. Moses, you do this day in and day out with these people and it's just a matter of time before you throw your hands up and you quit. So there's a better way. Not that you're doing bad. Not that you're lazy. None of that stuff's going on. There's just a better way. There's something more that God's asking of you. And that's true for us today. So here again, it's not my role to do what you can do. And it's not your role to do what's mine to do. It's our role to do what it is that God's asking us to do. Seek the Lord and listen to the advice of other people. So let's go back and look at this. All right? Moses' father-in-law replied, what you're doing, again, it's not what? It's not good. It's not good, Moses. You and these people who come to you, you're only going to wear yourselves out. The work's too heavy for you, and you cannot handle this alone. And so listen now to me, and I'll give you some advice, and may God be with you. Now, how would you respond if somebody came and said that to you? You feel like you're doing things for the Lord, you feel like you're trying to be a disciple and somebody observes your life and comes alongside you and says, hey, listen, how you're living? Not good. Are you excited to hear what they have to say? You know, are you kind of a little bit like, you can keep that to yourself? You, know, you don't understand my life. You don't know everything that I have to deal with. What do you mean my life's not good? What do you mean what I'm doing is not Right. See, we may be a little bit like, you know, why don't you take a hike? Or sometimes we can be a little bit proud. Listen, I've got it covered. You know, I see that you're concerned about me and I appreciate you observing my life, but I'm not going to get burned out. And listen, it's important for us in our spiritual growth in that process called sanctification to allow people to observe, to observe us. And what do they see? Do they see growth? Do they see a desire more for the glory of God? Do they see a zeal and a passion? Or do they see kind of things starting to kind of just fizzle out? Do they see just a weariness? Do they see somebody who's just grumpy or grouchy? They're still doing things, but they're just losing the motivation behind it. It's good to have somebody who can observe your life. It's not always easy. But if the right heart is there, man, it can be really for your good and for my benefit as well. So setting boundaries is going to understand the value of somebody observing, observing our life. You know, I've found this personally. It's easy to find your identity in what you're doing. Right? Being a husband and a dad and a pastor or a teacher. It's, it's easy for me to find my identity in what I do or what other people say that I am. He does this. You know, he does that or she does this, she does that. It's easy to find our identity in that. So if somebody's saying we need to change what we're doing, we could take that to mean we're about to lose our identity. You know, if I stop doing all the disputes and I'm just a judge, not the judge, you know, that could have really worked against Moses and his identity. Then who am I? What am I going to do with my time then? You know, if I've got all these guys who are taking care of the smaller disputes, what am I going to do with my remaining time? Like, this is who I am. This is what I do. I understand that. Right? It's easy to get your identity in, in what you do. That's why it's very important, though, that our identity is hidden in Christ, who we are rather than what we're doing. 
And so here again, let's go back and listen to Moses' father-in-law here. Or what we see Moses doing is Moses actually listening to his father-in-law. Okay? And so it, both of these are necessary. You need somebody who can observe your life, but we also need to be somebody who's willing to hear and to listen. Moses listened to his father-in-law, and he did everything that he said. So did Moses understand the value of somebody observing his life? He sure did, right? And that could be a spouse. It could be a church member, right? It could be a neighbor, co-worker, extended family member. It could be a friend. It could be somebody that you are just acquainted with. Somebody that knows you enough to understand when maybe things are out of whack just a little bit. So Moses understood that and he placed value on what his father-in-law said and it ended up working in his favor. You know, recently I had a conversation just like this. We were at our week of camp, the week that we direct, middle of June. It was a Tuesday after Father's Day. And a friend of mine was there serving as our, um, as our Bible teacher. And so we came out of chapel and just sent all the campers to lunch. I was headed out to the field to set up or finish setting up our game uh, that would start at 1 o'clock. And so I've just got my head down and I'm walking. And this guy comes over to me and says, hey, you got just a minute? I said, sure, what's going on? And he just stops me and just grabs my shoulders and he looks me eye to eye and he says, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. What do you mean? He's like, no, I'm, I'm serious here. Are you okay? And just kind of made me pause for a second. He's like, hmm, what's going on? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I said, honestly, I'm weary. So we've just, we've kind of been go, 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 go. And I said, I've come into camp weary. And you never want to go into camp weary, all right? You come out of camp weary, but you don't want to start weary because it gets hard. And, and, he, and I said, why? What's going on? He said, well, you're, you just seem like you're off just a little bit. You just don't seem like your normal self. Like, just the fun and the energy, it just seems like you're just kind of going through it right now. And, and so I apologized to him. I said, man, that's the last thing I want to be is somebody who just goes through the motions. Um... And so he took time right there and he, and he just reminded me, he said, I'm here for you. You know, I'll travel, I'll come see you if you need somebody to talk, whatever it is. If something's going on, I said, there's really nothing going on that I know of other than me just being weary. Uh, and so he stood there right around that bonfire place and he just prayed with me. And, and again, just refreshed my memory. I'm here for you if you need me. All right? And so as he walked away, man, that just like, that really encouraged me. Now, that there was somebody in my life who was watching and observing, and when they saw me you know, in a week or in a, a weak spot or in a weariness or acting in a way that was out of my character, they were, just, they were willing to talk to me about it because they were concerned. Right? That's, that's the helpful person. And there have been people here who have done the very same thing to me. They've come up at different points and just said, hey, you're going okay here? Right? You're making it okay? Are we doing all right here? Are we tracking okay? You're not getting too burdened, too heavy all right, you're not burning out. Things are okay. I'm like, yeah, I'm tracking here, but I appreciate your concern. And if, if there was something there that you see, a, a fizzle out, a lack of passion or zeal or going through the motions, you've got to call that out, whether that's to me or to somebody else. Because we don't want to be overcommitted, stretched thin, finding ourselves running from the very thing that God has been asking us to do. So if we're going to set some boundaries here, we learn here from Jethro the importance of having somebody in your life who can observe you and who can help you maybe make some adjustments or help you see a blind spot. It's very helpful. You know, my wife is one of these who's good for me. 
uh, for many reasons, but for the, for one of the, for that reason specifically, right? she helps. Just are you okay today? Right? You seem like you're really focused today. Like you're just stuck in a moment, or you're there instead of here. Like what's going on? And and so those are good observations to help me kind of get back on track or on task. And so I appreciate people like that. And the truth of the matter is, this can happen to anybody at any time. Right? We can get just bogged down in life. We can put our head down and we can work hard doing the good thing, but we just kind of can get weary. We can lose our zeal, our passion, our excitement for God. We can get saturated with the temporary and we miss the eternal. Um, so it's a good reminder that we need one another. I need you. You need me. We need one another. God's put us together partly so we can observe one another and help along the way. So setting boundaries is good for have somebody there to observe. And then setting boundaries third here, it's going to encourage some other people then to, as they participate, to get united with what's going on. Right? So no one wants to just be, well, I shouldn't say that. There are people who want to just sit and watch. Right? There are some people who just take a back seat and they'll, they'll applaud you one time and then they'll tell you how terrible you are the next. But most people who are really committed or invested, they don't want to just sit and watch. They want to do. Right? When you come alongside, you want to be a part of what's going on. You want to be a helper there. So when we set some boundaries personally and we involve other people, what ends up happening is there's a greater encouragement that spreads and there's a greater unity that takes place among the people that we're working with. And so we feel more like I'm together in this rather than it's you doing your thing and me doing my thing. So did Moses need help? Absolutely. Wasn't lazy, working hard, doing a good thing, but he, was, he had some other things that he needed to be attending to as well here. And so Moses needed some help. Uh, and he was looking for what he didn't even know he was looking for was somebody to speak some truth into his life. So he's continued in isolation here, and if he would have stayed that way, it would have been too much. And so here again, just listen to what was said. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out the work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it how? You cannot handle this alone. You know, Paul echoes this in Galatians chapter 6. Verse 2, he says that we need to be carrying one another's burdens. And we, we said this earlier. Verse 5, he says, carry your own load. But verse 2, he says, carry each other's burdens. And I heard that equated to a backpack versus a boulder. Right? How many of us could carry a 10-pound backpack on our bag for or our back for a while? Would you be okay with that? I mean, you'd feel it after a while, but that's not... You can carry your load. Uh, but what if we had a 200-pound boulder sitting here and everybody's going to walk out of here carrying your boulder today? How long are you going to carry that? I can't even pick it up. All right? Now, some of you probably could pick that up and you could... Horse that thing around for a little while, but you wouldn't get very far with that. And what Paul's saying is you weren't meant to get very far with that. You're meant to shoulder that burden. Right? We're meant to bear that together. Yeah, carry your backpack. You know, it's kind of like when we go to the grocery store and we get home, we don't get two people carrying 20 bags each. Right? When we get out, what do we say? All right, hey, everybody grab a bag. Everybody grab a bag or two, all right? And we can get it in. Everybody's comfortable. You know, we may carry a little bit more. We're a little bit bigger or stronger or whatever. But everybody's working together. Everybody can carry their load. So it's not my job to carry your backpack. 
but it's not your job to carry mine. But it is ours to work together to shoulder the boulder. Right? I don't know if you've ever moved furniture by yourself before at all. But it's hard. Some of that stuff's heavy. And you end up like hurting your back, or your legs, and you're in bed for a couple days, or you're popping medicine just to function. What about when you get a person or two to help you out moving that piece? You ever carried something and you're, and you're like, I don't feel like I'm carrying anything. Like, who's got all the weight here? When you get a few people around a piece of furniture and all the weight's distributed, it's easier to carry. You try to pick up that entertainment center or that dining room table by yourself, you're going to struggle. Right? So when we involve other people in what we're doing, it encourages that teamwork. It encourages that unity. It removes the kind of the feelings of isolation. You're doing your thing, I'm doing mine, but it builds that unity. And when it's partnered in the same mission here, it's the Gospel. There's not many things on the planet like it. People who are after the same mission, working on the same, with the same Gospel. Uh, so setting boundaries is going to encourage others to work together rather than isolation. You know, Jethro said some words to Moses, and the truth is Moses needed to hear it. And not only did Moses need to hear it, but Moses needed to acknowledge that he needed some help. You ever had somebody say that to you? You need to acknowledge that you need a hand. Or you need to acknowledge, for me growing up as a child, it was you need to acknowledge that what you're saying is wrong. I was the guy sitting around the dining room table who was continually wrong. And I was stubbornly wrong. And so my dad would say, Corey, you're wrong. Corey, you're wrong. And he'd keep saying that. Now, what do you need to say, son? What do you need to say, son? Okay, I'm wrong. All right. But, no, leave it alone. You're wrong. I needed to acknowledge that. Moses needed to acknowledge, I need some help here. It was good for him. Because all these people, then thousands weren't just watching and depending on him. Now the load had shifted. All right. And what Jethro says, it's going to work for everybody's benefit. It's going to be good for everyone. And so here it is. Have these people serve as judges. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple ones they can decide themselves. Now listen, here's the end of it, 22. That will make your load what? That'll make your load lighter because they will what? Very good. They'll share it with you. All right? And so he's saying there's a win-win here. You're getting people involved. They're able to use their gifts, and that's beneficial for the whole nation while at the same time your load is being lightened and you're able then to walk more in your sweet spot of what God's asking you to do. So when we set some boundaries, and setting boundaries can be hard personally. I can't do this. I need some help. I need someone to come alongside. I need someone to take this off my uh, shoulder. I just can't do this by myself. When we acknowledge that, not only is it good for us, but it helps encourage those who are working with us that I'm, I'm needed here. I've got a part to play here. I've got a gift that can support what we're doing here. Therefore, it creates something much more beautiful than watching what one person can do. You know, the truth is, we've not been meant to walk alone. Isolation is not who we're to be. Uh, and that's true in how we work and serve as well. All right, so living as people who set boundaries, living as people who try to track in their sweet spot, trying to stay in my lane. And what we've looked at here is just a consistently asking the Lord, what are you asking of me? You know, we sang that song just before we prayed today. Does anybody remember our fourth song? We read Scripture and we sang a verse and chorus of a song. 
We used to sing it at the end of services when an altar call was given. Wherever, wherever He leads, I'll go. Right? You'll know this. As quickly as God led you into something, He can lead you to something else. Okay? We tend to be people who like to set up roots. And we want to feel at home. But the Bible tells us we're not to be at home here. We're sojourners. We're foreigners. We're traveling through. All right? So my greatest goal can't be making sure everything is home. For me, it's I want to follow the Lord. And so wherever He leads, I'll go. I remember Moses was having a conversation with the Lord one time and the Lord said, I'm going to go before you. And Moses said, okay, if you go before us, we'll go. But if you don't go with us, please don't send us away from here. Okay? Because Moses wanted to be wherever God wanted him to be. Moses wanted to be where the presence of the Lord was. So wherever you lead me, I heard a man say at one time, Lord, feel free to shift me on life's checkerboard wherever you want to. I'll hop here. I'll hop here. I may do a double hop here. I may end up back here. Rather than I'm staying here, I'll follow wherever you lead. And so that's a consistent prayer in my life. And I don't sense or believe that God's leading me in any other direction. But I always want to be open to that. And I want you to be open to that as well. All right? Maybe it's not a way. Maybe it's two. So maybe it's across the street, right? Or maybe it's to a phone to call a friend. Or maybe it's to a restaurant just to check in on somebody. I've observed this in your life. I'm concerned about you. Are you doing okay? Right? There's all sorts of ways that God may lead us. The main thing is just being willing and ready to follow. So Lord, lead me. Be consistent. What are you asking of me? How have you gifted me? What's my role in your body here? I'm willing to do what you ask. How do you want to use me for your glory? Ask those questions. Be persistent in your prayers. Wait on the Lord as we talked about last week. Trust Him to provide a clear answer there. And walk consistently in that. Have somebody in your life who's willing to observe you. Be that person as well who's willing to observe somebody. And then be willing to say you need some help. Ask people to be a part of what you're doing rather than feeling like you've got to go it alone. All right? It's important for us to set boundaries if we're going to pursue the Lord the way that He's intended us to live this life here. So.